This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Backstage with a gone and grace. Tales from the stands to the batter's cage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, once again, joined by John Brazier. John, we're, we still can't believe this is the first time we've had this guest on our podcast <laughs> after right. so, 100 years we've yes, been on. As you said, uh, we last week we had our big 25-year, um, any employee who's been with the Phillies 25 years or above or even employees that left the Phillies. Correct. Right? We had a big luncheon at Poppy's. Yeah. And I remember, Tom, we were sitting there going, you know, we got to get somebody next week. Who do you think we should get? And then I'm walking in with wheels, and I'm looking at him like, I know I've had to get, we had to have gotten wheels, right? We <laughs> well, had to have gotten wheels. I think we, what we thought was you've hosted, uh, you know, on your other radio show, I've co-hosted with you on that show, yep. and we have had this guest on, and uh, I think we thought, well, we've had him on the podcast, right? But we never we did. We never did. I had to scroll through all scroll the podcast through. guests, and sure enough, then I went up to him at the party, I said, wheels, uh, <laughs> we need you, because if there's, a bu- <laughs> there's probably nobody in the organization that has uh, better stories Correct. Of, of, with, with more people right and Correct. it's going to be the easiest podcast in the world because all we have to do is bring up a name and then wheels will have a great story about the person that's true so let's bring him on right here the legendary chris wheeler what's up wheels nice to see you brace nice to see you tom as always wheels wasn't that great on friday yeah. i know um well it's just great first of all that the phillies you know still do this 25 and over employees it's great to bring some uh you know some folks we haven't seen in a while kathy killian uh, does such a great job of keeping uh the spirit alive for some of us old timers but what was it like for you to see some faces you hadn't seen in a while it's great uh look i have so many great memories of this place i mean i walked in here i was 25 years old going on 26 in 1971 now i'm 78 and i can still come back here and see so many friends you know my my theory on the whole thing was as you guys know i was never an attention hog and i wanted to just kind of you know i wasn't happy about what happened at the time but i just wanted to ride off into the sunset and not have any bad feelings about anything the phillies treated me great you know david did a david didn't want to do what happened you know that was the whole that was all comcast that did that so and then david took great care of me after that and uh kind of took care of him for a little while after that. Yeah, and so. you still get fired up. I saw you wheels when you came in the front door. I mean, just you, you glow every time <laughs> you, you, get, you walk into this ballpark. Well, I look, Tom, uh, I was a baseball fan before I was an employee. I, when I was a kid, all I did was play baseball. And, and, you know, in the 50s, that's what we did. Um, and you grew up in Marple Newtown area? And I grew right? in Newtown Square. Newtown yeah, Square. Yeah, basically Newtown Square. And I had... I was a Phillies fan. So I'd said they lost money when they hired me because I would I would have probably as I gotten older and bought would have bought more tickets and everything. So yeah, to me to me it was a, you know and I say this and I don't try to be overly humble. It was an honor an honor to do what I did for my organization that I grew up loving as a kid and that I could do that 
and say that I never had a job for all those years, a real yeah. job that I could. And you know, we have. Yeah, welcome yeah, to the club. We have some bad nights here. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's raining, it's cold, it's it's hot, it's it, it's you, you're in a 15 game losing streak. It's nobody's in the stands, but it goes in cycles. And it to me, I never had a bad day. All right. So obviously, with your career, looking back on it. Uh, I know you graduated Penn State uh, with a degree in journalism. Yeah, broadcasting. Right? So you did, I know you did like traffic reporting, (laughs) right? And you did some writing. I wanted to ask you about that. For some radio. Were you a helicopter guy with us? No, I was in a plane. In a plane? What was that all about? It was a WCAU radio, 1210. It's called Traffic Alert. Uh, And uh, when I was a kid kid in in Newtown Square, I dated. I was 16 or 15, a girl named Susan Harvey. Her father, Ed Harvey, was one of the biggest oh, radio legendary. personalities in the in the in in this area right. and in the country, actually. He took a liking to me, and he decided from day one I was going to be a, a, in broadcasting. Hmm. He just – so he really opened the door for me to go work for WCAU Radio for Jack Downey, who but, had the but, great but restaurant. But at that point, yeah. were, you, were you thinking ahead, like this is my way into sports, or were you thinking this is going to be your career? <laughs> you know, it's funny. And back in those days, I uh, I wanted to be a uh, I wanted to be in the uh, I wanted to be a diplomat. I wanted huh. to be in the foreign service or something. I love political science, right? Uh, and I really wanted to do that. And and I started out as that as a major at Penn State. My first semester, I came home and I went to see Ed Harvey and Susan and and his family and all. He said, "What are you doing?" I said, "What do you mean? What am I doing? Get out of that major." <laughs> he said, "I told you, you're going to be good at something else someday, hmm. and I'm going to help you with it." So the WCAU thing came along. He, he, I, I used to drive down, and they would fly me down to play softball games in the traffic alert airplane, 12th and My buddies didn't believe me. They had to come out to the airport, see this plane come flying, and <laughs> wow. I'd jump in and come down. Well, Ed Harvey set that up with Downey because I was young, and they loved the softball team. Yeah. So he says, look, you come down. They're going to see you. You're young. Downey's going to say, get him a job. rest is history. But then they put me in that plane. Yeah. And they didn't care if they killed me. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, we're flying around with Dave the Milkman. Dave used to li- deliver ma- milk in the morning. Now, you guys, are you don't remember milk. I remember milk being our, delivered. Our milk being delivered at your door. Yeah. Well, Dave was tired. By the time I would meet him at 5.30 or 6 to go up, he'd be nodding <laughs> off in the airplane. So I made sure that I knew how to call the tower, and he taught me how to take off the how to take off wow. and land the airplane. Oh so my I had I had some flying skills. I don't have flying skills, right? But and when, when you're up there, are that. you? I mean, I, I always think of helicopters, right. you know, report on the traffic. But you're in an airplane. I mean, yep. are, are they? Are you just zipping all around the Delaware Valley? It's a single engine airplane, huh. uh, a Skylane. 182 November 2088 X-ray. I still remember <laughs> the tail that. number in wow. case I got in trouble. You know, people say he remembers. I don't yeah, know. right. So anyway, and the wings were below us in 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 these uh, in the Cessnas. Yeah. So you could see up, but you know you have to you know you had to kind of look look down a little bit. Huh. So no, wait a minute. Excuse me. The wings were up. Uh, yeah. Wings above you. Right. Yeah, so the, so they're not getting away. Yeah. So we're flying around in the days when they're building 95. And there's planes coming in there. You know, we're going down there. Right, near the airport, right. Now, we're under, we're at a certain 1,500, 1500 okay. feet, I think it was. 2, Where the 000. airplanes are. But we had to in. stay down to a certain. Yeah. But, you know, he used to tell me to look around for airplanes. And, jeez, every once in a while, you see a big, you know, <laughs> wait, a jet. Wait, so you get, jet you got to be air in. traffic controller. You <laughs> yes. got to be the backup pilot, right? Yes. And you got to report on the traffic. <laughs> well, I've always been very good with detail praise, yes, as you right. know right. back in the yeah uh so i did the traffic reports and there was a young guy a big star in town 
became a big star named Jack Jones. Uh, and he, they kept him on the ground and they kept me in the plane because they really, it was all right. If I went down, eh, but we didn't <laughs> want anything to happen to Jack. Yeah, can't lose Jack. Yeah. Well, so then where, then where did the opportunity come to become a PR intern <laughs> for the Phillies? So that was in 1971. One, right. Yeah. It, it, I had worked for CBS Radio for a few years, uh, off and on, you know, CBS in Chicago and then Philly, Chicago, New York. And I was young and I got laid off, moved around, and I got laid off and I, and, uh, I got a job with General Electric out in uh, in King of Prussia, mm-hmm. you know, which is up, up on the hill there is where they used yep. to be. Um, and I was writing news releases for the space program. I was bored to death. And I'd sent out all these resumes to all the teams in town. Andy Musser had been one of my buddies at WCAU when I was a kid. He used to take me to Connie Mac Stadium because he knew. He called Larry Shank. Uh, Larry Shank called him and he said, "I got this guy Chris Wheeler that just uh, he's applying. I need an I need an assistant because we're moving into the vet. What do you think?" Andy Musser said, "That's your guy. He's your guy." Mm-hmm. And Larry told me that that meant a lot when he interviewed me. That Andy Musser had recommended right? me. That's how that how I got my foot in the door. And I'll never forget driving down there that day saying, whatever you do, don't screw this up. Because if you do this, if you get this, it may work out. So um, I'm married at the time. Um, I know you guys find that hard to believe that I was ever married. (laughs) But I was married at the time. Uh, I was making $15,000 a year at General Electric. Right. Shanky sits me over at the the old Spectrum. Uh, 5,000. Ten. 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 Okay. I'm taking a five thousand <laughs> dollar right. hit yeah. and I'm never gonna be home. And I'm thinking, how am I gonna tell Joanne that? You right. know, it didn't go over well. Right. Then, you know, it didn't work out after that a few years later. But uh, you know, it's been good with Renee since then. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, uh, that I'll never forget that day thinking when and Larry says to me, Is that all right? I'm thinking, Hell no, it's not all right. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but I'll take it. Uh, but I said yeah, yeah, yeah. I said yeah, Tommy, because I thought, you know what? I just love yeah. baseball so much, and I love the Phillies so much. Could you imagine if I could work for the team? And, uh, you know, I try not to screw it up, and I, I did okay. And then, you know, what I love about stories of broadcasters, now there's some broadcasters that, that work their way up, like Scott Fransky. Scott Fransky, you know, knew what he wanted to do, uh, you know, worked for the Texas, you know, for Texas Rangers, yep. right? And then he gets an opportunity to be the pregame radio guy. But for you, you're working <laughs> in PR. I mean, it's almost like, you know, Video Dan was a bartender and he gets a job because, yeah. you know, Bill Giles is in the, at the bar. I'm at a wedding. I meet somebody, Dennis Mannion, who's, you know, basically messing around, singing with a band, breakdancing. Next thing you know, I've got a job with the Phillies, took a pay cut as well. You, at Insert Ads, you actually were a little Correct. more proactive. A little proactive. But, but, tell, <laughs> story, but talk story about, tell your story about yeah. how you became a broadcaster because that is, again, very, I'm going to use a big word, Tom, serendipitous, wow. right? You were in, a, in the right place at the right time. Uh, tell, tell the story. Can we go back real quick to Dan Stevenson? Sure. So Jack Downey's one of my all-time great friends, right, yeah, from yes. those days. So yep. I used to go in Downey's all the time. Um, I walk into Downey's and I sit at the bar one night and a bartender gives me a drink. And I said, well, thanks. Uh, he, I said, thank Mr. Downey for me. He says, no, this is on me. He said, I'm a big, big Phillies fan. I think you're terrific. Dan Stevenson. I come back and we had, uh, had a video guy who was, you know, they just didn't care. Right. And he, and he was going to go with Dallas anyway to Chicago. I said, Baron, I just met a guy the other night at Downey's. I said, this guy has his own video company. He does we- weddings and all that. What do you think? And he knows how to pour a drink. Well, it, yeah, and it gives you free drinks. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> he gives free drinks. Exactly. Right. And they, they had a party there <laughs> maybe a week later. 
Yeah. And Larry Shank runs meets Stan Stevenson. Boom. Boom. Next thing they do, they talk. Yeah. Greatest hire I've ever had. That's a right. good one. That's a good so, one. So that's what yeah. happened back in the day. That's what happened. And that Dan will, he gives me credit right. for that. But, and I said, well, if you hadn't given me the drink that night, maybe we wouldn't have talked <laughs> exactly about right. it. All right. So I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. We're in uh, Montreal, 1976. We're playing a doubleheader, makeup doubleheader. Um, if we win the first game, we win the National League. Well, we hadn't won anything since 1950. Yep. So this is a pretty big day. Big day. We win the first game of the doubleheader. So we go in and, they, you know, the champagne, the whole thing. We got to play another game. This has never been done since. I know it has never been done since. So, you know, Harry and Whitey did not imbibe or, you know, they were right. fine. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm soaking wet and I got to change and take a shower and all this stuff. So I go back upstairs. I had used... I used to love broadcasting, so I would go into the booth once in a while, and they made me out to be the uh, – Whitey made me out to be the, the buffoon, you know, who screwed up the newsy notes right. and all the mistakes he made on the air were my fault. So I walk in the booth, like, and Whitey goes, fans, let me tell you something. Here comes this Chris Wheeler. He's a guy we tell you messes up everything, makes us sound <laughs> so – he's always wanted to do this. So why don't we let him do a couple innings? You can't make it up. He so he took, just did it on a whim. He took the headset right. off, Grace. He put it down. I sat down. I put the headset, and I'm sitting with Harry. And we're doing the game, the second game of the doubleheader. Were you nervous? No, because good. I figured, what the heck? Right. I'm never going to do this again. Sure. So right. I want to have a good time. Unbeknownst to me, next door, Giles, Bill sitting there, with John McHale, the legendary John McHale, who is the general manager of the Montreal Expos. And Bill tells me, John McHale says to him, Bill, who's that broadcaster of yours in there with Harry right now? Yeah, hold on, because the game is being piped through that it, into, sound, the, into the in, booth. In Little Park right. Jerry, Little yep. Jerry Park. It wasn't the Olympic Stadium yet, okay. it was Jerry yeah, Park. Yeah. So he says that to and Bill tells me the story. Bill says, and John McHale says this is what happened. Bill says, John, I'm really sorry. He says, that's one of our PR guys in there right now. I have no idea how the hell he got on the air. <laughs> and John McHale said to Bill, Bill, he's really good. He said, you know, you ought to use him. And Giles, with that great mind of his, said, okay, next year, Bysom had retired. Andy Musser's working radio alone right now. I can put him on television when the game, and I don't have to pay him anything more. Right. And because he's traveling all the time, so it's free. Perfect. He put me on the air the next year in 1977. So I always say if yeah. we'd have lost, for the people that didn't right. like me, yeah. if we'd have lost the first game of the doubleheader, that would have never happened. So are you pinching yourself at that point? Yeah. Like, like all of a sudden you're in this role, some a, a, a guy you know, basically recommends a Bill Giles, and Bill Giles tells you you're I, – I just had a good time, Brage. Right. I, you know what I was doing? And John McHale told me later, he said, you know, you, you were saying – he said, I told Bill, he says, this guy knows more about our players than we do. Right. Yeah. I did what I did forever. Sure. What yeah. some people liked and some didn't. I analyzed the game. Yeah. I talked about the strengths and weaknesses. of. That's what I did that day. Guy would get on. I'd say, well, you know, this guy's got he's slow move the first game. He might run. We'd run. Yeah, there it is. That's, and it it all happened. Well, and then we, we had a rain. We got rained out after a few innings. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Rained out. Yeah, so you game, didn't complete the whole the game. game. I think the game got to the sixth inning. You can look oh, it up. But it wasn't an, it was an official oh, game. You were probably bummed. You were on a roll. You oh, were I was uh, having, having a great time. time. Whitey could care less. If right. you were ready to mess up in the seventh, eighth, and ninth <laughs> inning, and then it would have changed. <laughs> well, that's right. What, that's what right. makes this story? What makes this story? so extra special <laughs> yeah. and juicy is the guy who took off his headset to let 
you sit in his seat was your boyhood my idol boyhood, Richie Ashburn, boyhood, and, and who would have crazy. that? Who would have that? You know, wherewithal authority, <laughs> right? Like, you could get away with anything. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah But if that's true. most normal people. They're not going to do it, first yeah. of all. Second of all, they wouldn't be able to get away with giving it to you. Right. right? And it was perfect. Well, and can I ask you and about... it's all true. If I can ask you about Whitey, too, uh, yeah. Wheels. Uh, what made him your boyhood idol? What What did you like about Whitey uh, as a kid that you gravitated to? Well, we were kids, Tom. Uh, you know, it, it, there were a couple of, of, of the WizKids. Uh, look, the WizKids were 1950, and I became pretty aware of starting to watch games maybe by about 53, because I was eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Whitey was, uh, he, he looked real little to us. Um, so we're all little. And he could run like the wind. And he could catch everything in the outfield. So to me, he was like, like nowadays you might call like a video game character almost. Right. Uh, so I think we gra- some of us gravitated to Whitey because of, of his speed mm. and because of the things he was – and he looked like a normal-sized person and those kind of things. Yeah. So that's, it, I, I, I always say that I think that's what it was. Yeah, and you don't see uh, players like that uh, anymore, no. really. You know, built that way. Speed, no. of course, you know, they're starting to steal some more bases. There was a player for the Dodgers. Uh, who was Wills. No, but- Butler. Brett, but- Brett, uh, Butler. Brett Butler. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like the last guy who's maybe. He would maybe, all the time. Uh, he bunted a lot. And he was Every fast, at-bat he would short. bunt. It seemed like he'd bunt at least one time. Yeah, but are there players today? Well, Juan who Pierre. Can, you know, he was more yeah. Juan Pierre's another one. Yeah. Right. You're right. That's a good point. You just don't really that's see those kind point, of players though. anymore. Yeah, that you right. don't. So you one really of the things don't. as a broadcaster, you've worked with, you know, especially in Philadelphia, you've worked with legends. So what was it like working with Richie as a broadcaster? Because <laughs> that must have been great. You know, here's a boyhood idol, mm. and now all of a sudden you're, you're broadcasting with him, and what a personality he had. Well, I'm not saying anything out of school, Braves, but you guys knew him. We were always on edge. Because you never knew when he was going to get into your personal life. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. On the air. On the air. Of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he would suck on that pipe, and <laughs> he'd look uh, at you, and he'd start, and I'd go, oh, right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. How are we going to get out of this? Right. You know, he, so he, it was, you know what, it, it, it was fun. It was fun because he was fun. You know, he would mess things. So I'm the producer of the radio show, the, the post-game show. You guys will appreciate this. And we used to have a stack of carts like this. Mm. Um, we're on radio. Because those would be the highlights. We'd say, we want that highlight. So my job was to not only be on the air a little bit, but to write down all the cues, the out cues, right. the old way you used to do yep. stuff. And I'd write down. So now at the end of the game, Whitey never kept score. He never changed anybody in his scorecard. The same guys that started the game finished, <laughs> yeah, right, except right. for the pitchers. Right. So before we start the postgame show, I yeah. look right at him, and I say, Whitey, we do not have Bake McBride's RBI double in the fifth inning. Gotcha, pal. So now we're starting. And then he goes, and then in the fifth inning, the Phillies had a couple men on base, and up step Bake McBride. Well, we, I go, I put my hands out to him like this. We don't have it. Right. And he goes, well, I'd like to tell you right now that unfortunately our producer, Chris Wheeler, <laughs> right under the failed bus. to inform me <laughs> that we do not have Bake McBride's RBI double. But trust me, fans, oh. he doubled. <laughs> and he would do that to you all the yeah, time. Yeah. And he th- used to think it was the funniest thing in the world <laughs> right. to do those kind of things. Because Whitey... As far as he was concerned, if he didn't know that player, 
he would make up some excuse. Well, well, nobody told me they brought him up. Of course we told you they brought him right. up. But he could get away with anything, and that's your point you guys are making, yeah. that he could get up that day, walk out of there, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and just do it. Have this guy sit down like, who the hell is this? It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay. All right. How about uh, Harry the K? Because obviously you worked with Harry for a long time. <laughs> Talk about Harry. Well, he sat there in, in fear, too. <laughs> right. He did because <laughs> none of us were, you know, none of us were a hundred percent choir boys. Right. We were where we were. So, tell, tell the story about San Francisco. All I, right, I, you I love, love that, that story because it's a true story. So, yeah. <laughs> we were going to. Um, um, Lefty used to uh, Steve Carlton used to uh, do a trip to Vegas. He was great with that, and you know, we were lucky enough to be the guys, some of the guys he liked. So. Uh, Lefty had a trip planned for an off day. We were in, we were going from, I think, L.A. to San Francisco, and then we had an off day, and then we were going to San Diego, and then they had the off day in between San Francisco and San Diego. So we get into San Diego, uh, into San Francisco, and I, very anal, that I, the way that I am, I wanted to get my bags. I wanted to get unpacked. I wanted to get such, not Harry. You know, Harry was, I mean, he was out he was so we had made plans that night to meet upstairs in a bar called the one up at the top of the i guess it was a hyatt on union square where we were staying so uh, you know I'm, I'm maybe half an hour 45 minutes after i get to the hotel i'm i'm getting ready to go and i i pick up the phone i want to see if he's there yet so i pick up the phone and i go uh and they go somebody goes one up and I said, yes, sir. I said, my name is Chris Wheeler. I said, I'm, uh, I'm with the Philadelphia Phillies. I said, I'm looking for a friend of mine. He's a blonde guy. Uh, he's one of our broadcasters, and I'm supposed to meet him up there. And all of a sudden, I hear this unmistakable voice go, it's me, you dumb bleep bleep. <laughs> <laughs> Harry was answering the phone Harry at the was hotel bar. <laughs> The bar was not that crowd at that point. He right. was talking to some of the employees and stuff up there. <laughs> and he let you the, go, too. He let you go. Oh, he let uh, me go through the whole thing. Let, yeah. me, let me go through the whole thing. It's me. And he threw some expletive on there. And oh, of course, boy. then I went up to the bar, and it was one of the 9,000 nights. Uh, yes. You guys all remember the night we win in 2008, and he does high hopes on the field. Yes. Well, no one had ever heard him. Fans didn't know high hopes. Right. And after that, I had people come to me all the time and say, Wheels, have you ever heard Harry sing? Hi- Did I ever hear Harry <laughs> sing High Hope? Yeah, right. I heard him sing it in Lefty bars, Duels. I was going to say San Francisco, Lefty right. Duels. And he and Tim McCarver, oh, my best friend. I'll get yeah. choked up thinking about him. He, um, those two, when we would go out, they would sing. You know, Timmy, was, Timmy made a, a, a cassette, a, the tape, yeah. a record of big bands, of hits, show tunes. He could sing a little bit. Harry, yeah, he was enthusiastic. <laughs> so we would go out, and those two would go up and take over wherever we went sure. and sing. And so I would great. just sit in the back, and they, do you know those guys? Nah. 
who those two guys are. <laughs> would players uh, go out to? I know like Lefty uh, Duels in San Francisco or some of these other places around the country, would uh, players come out and kind of join in? Some places. That or? When, Timmy, when Timmy would go with us, Timmy was more past that point. Yeah. Um, not that he didn't want to be with players, but he had gotten to the point where he he really enjoyed just going with Harry and I. Yeah. He loved Andy Musser, and Andy would go to Whitey. You know, people don't believe, but, but he didn't drink. So Whitey would be, go back to, he said, I'm going to go back right now to suite 505 and be with the most interesting person I know, me. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's what he would say. So he, no, he, it, so to be mostly in those yeah. days, we had like three or four years together. Those are some of the best years because Timmy was a social secretary and he was a fine wine restaurant guy. So no yeah. matter if we had a night off somewhere, yeah, the, the thing was, I'll tell you what time to meet. It's a meet in the lobby. That's all we had to do. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the times uh, you checked into a hotel, uh, I forget what city it was, uh, maybe Toronto, uh, with Sarge. And, and <laughs> oh Sarge, Sarge messed up. Uh, <laughs> tell that story. It's one way to put it. <laughs> well, we were in we were here. In Toronto, in, is that right? It was Cincinnati. Cincinnati, okay. We were here. And there was a huge storm coming. I mean, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a hurricane or it was bad. And we were canceling the games here, and they were going to get the team out of town early to go to Cincinnati to open that series on a Monday. So we were getting out on a Saturday, and then we were going to have to make these games up in Philly. So some of the peak guys wanted to stay here. Fransky stayed, uh, uh, Larry stayed, Tom McCarthy stayed. Sarge and I, want, we, we liked, we wanted to go. So we left. We won the charter with the team. So that day, um, it was a Sunday. Saturday, it doesn't matter. Um, I go to the ballpark, of course. I want to see the, the Reds are playing the Nationals. I come back, and I go to my room, and I, you know, I didn't know who was beside me or anything, and I go to my room, and outside my door, the carpet is wet. It's squishy. It's literally squishy. You could, you could feel it. So I call the front desk. I said, look, I think we have a problem. You may have a plumbing problem somewhere or in a room or something, but there's water in the, in the, lo- in the, in the hallway out here. So they send up, uh, someone comes up, and I hear nothing. Yeah, what? And all of a sudden I think, that's Sarge. <laughs> They're knocking on Sarge's door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go in there. What had happened was Sarge had, whatever, you know, overserved or he had had a good afternoon. He wasn't at the ballpark with me. Let me put it this way. This is about five o'clock now. He had evidently um, brushed his teeth or done something in his sink and he had left the stopper in the sink and the water had literally out of the sink, out the door, into the hallway. And it had flooded the hallway (laughs) and his room was uninhabitable. (laughs) But you know what happened? We spent the rest of the time uh, those guys hadn't gotten there yet, but, you know, and then the series goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in in Cincinnati. We spent the rest of the time on that floor with these fans sitting on the floor, blowing all this air, drying out the carpet, and Sarge had gotten a sweet. Sweet. That's Sarge right there. (laughs) And you know what? That is Sarge right there. And to this day, he'll say, hey, man, you got to know how to work a hotel. (laughs) He says, you know. You stayed in that, that little room you were in. Man, I had a suite. <laughs> Wheels, when we saw you on Friday, we were also talking. Uh, John Vukovic's name oh, came up. God. And, of course, he was just another one. I think of you, Wheels. I always think of uh, Vuk. And I don't know. You know, I think on some of our highlight films, you know, there, there's 
yeah, I know on one particular, <laughs> you get goosed by oh, Vuk, yeah. and you know he was such a great friend. Uh, talk a little bit about Vuk. He's another guy you know. It's hard to talk about. You know, him and Timmy were so yep. close. Vuk was. Um, he and I just became friends early on, and I don't know what it was, but we we gravitated to each other. And he was so gruff, and you guys know as well as anybody, he tested you. You know, you had to pass a certain muster with him. And I, I'm not, you know, people might say, well, who cares? Well, I'm back. you cared. You cared if you were accepted by Boo. And anyway, he could tell, I think, right away how much I loved the game. And he always told me later on, he says, you know what you did? You asked questions. You didn't act like you knew everything. Mm. He said, you would always come to us and ask us why we did. So we got we got very, very close. Um, one of the, There's so many great stories, but one of the funniest ones is, and you guys will appreciate this, is, uh, you know, with your mates, uh, sometimes you'll have nicknames for each other, right? So, Renee, for whatever reason, we came up with this thing where I would call her Dove, Turtle Dove, (laughs) and she would call me Muffin. Oh, oh right. boy. Yes. I, okay. I, I, I never um, knew the genesis of the story. So we're but. sitting. So oh, we no. go out to dinner one night in Bluebell, um, <laughs> where I live now. And Brace, you yep. close by. And Tommy, yeah. you were for a long time. So anyway, we're sitting there and we go out to dinner at the William Penn Inn. With Vuk Beautiful and, place. Vuk and Bonnie. Beautiful place. Yes. Uh, the four of us. So we come back to my place and, you know, they're, you know, and Renee calls me Muff in front of him. <laughs> and he goes, what? Yeah. Oh, boy. Did you knew your you world was face? over at that point. <laughs> and, and Renee says, oh, he won't tell anybody. You know what he did? In those days, you had to pick up a phone. Yeah. He picked up the phone and called for a go <laughs> From that day on, Muff. to this day, I mean, the, the other day, I, I'm texting Terry Francona, Tito, and he and I are in a Muff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of those... <laughs> And, you know, he gave me so much heat about that name. And then, of course, other people started. And I am Goosey, so he would do that. And he <laughs> he used to like to take my briefcase and put it out in the field and then hit fungos at it, you know, where I would have to go out and try and <laughs> Luckily, I'd played a lot of baseball, so I knew the spin on the ball was going to go this way. If Dodging the balls. So, uh, yeah. Or he was, went, he, was he behind one of the spring training? Uh, I heard a story that somebody, uh, they used to set somebody up where the season ticket holder was mad, mm-hmm. and they, the season ticket holder would leave a message on someone's voicemail, and then they'd find this. Was, do you know what I'm talking about? Do I know what you're right. talking about? All that right. was, was all one of his all-time pranks. All right, so go ahead. Tell that, tell that one. <laughs> the guy's name was Cecil Papadopovich, <laughs> evidently. And there was, we had a guy named John. I can't think of his name anyway. He, was, he worked for the Clearwater uh, Phillies at the time, Threshers now. And he had this big old deep southern voice, kind of like Charlie. Yeah, he would talk like that. But he created this character, Cecil Papadopovich, and they would prank people. Well, I didn't know about Cecil. So all of a sudden, I'm getting phone calls. How old are you at this time? Oh, I'm in. You're young in your career. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty well established at that point. This is in the 90s. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I start getting voicemail messages from this. This here, Cecil Papadopovich, Mr. Wheeler. And I don't like you. Me and my brothers, we're going to come down to Clearwater sometime, and we're going to meet you, and we're, gonna, we're just going to tell you, well, they're threatening me. You yeah, know, they're yeah, nasty yeah, about right. this thing. So now, one day, I'm sitting in the, and he says, oh, he says, season ticket holder. 
season ticket. So I'm sitting in our old booth at Jack Russell Stadium where I do the, did the PA and still yeah. do. And we had this little PA system there that we used to use at intercom into the dugout. Well, you could hear, and then we'd have our radios. So I've got the radio next to me, and I hear Susan Ingersoll, who, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time was a great employee here. Yeah. I hear her uh, say, uh, yes, Mr. Papadopovich. Well, yeah, welcome to Clearwater. Um what can we, we, we have your parking for you. And I hear this voice. Well, thank you very much, Susan. I really appreciate it. It's really nice. And I'm going, yeah, he's here. Right. This guy is here. And they don't know what this guy's right. doing to me. Right. So now to, 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 to finish the story, they keep it up. They keep it up for a while. I mean, this went on for, so we're at our big dinner that we had, you know, the big sponsors dinner it used to be at the yep. old hotel. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're at the old hotel. Bellevue. The bell. Right. And Vuk says, come here, come on over here. I want you to, come here, come on, I want you to talk to some fan wants to meet you and everything. This great big guy, who I later find out was in the band. I didn't, wasn't looking at the band. <laughs> right, right. This huge guy right. yeah. is standing there. And I mean, he's intimidating looking. And Vuk goes, Wheels, I want you to meet season ticket holder, Cecil Papadopovich. <laughs> oh. And I evidently, my eyes got real wide and I bit. And I went, he's a bad guy, Vuk. Get him away <laughs> Get that guy away from me. And the big guy is just, he doesn't know. He's just, and finally, Vuk, he couldn't hold it. And now all around, Frank Copenbarger and all those jerks are all around. And they all start laughing. And all of a sudden, you know how you know when you've been had? I go, wow. (laughs) You're relieved. I was relieved, yeah, but then I was yeah, you know, Ooh. I said, Ooh, Ooh. son of a... <laughs> right. You know, this, you had me scared a little bit because right. these guys, they sound like some Alabama sheriff, yeah, right. you know, that they were you. coming to get me. Well, you mentioned Fregosi. I mean, I know you had a tight <laughs> relationship with Fregosi. Oh, I loved him. Hey, what, what, tell me a good story about Fregosi. Oh, there's uh, there's just so many of them. Uh, mm. um, one of my favorite ones has to be with Lenny Dykstra. Uh, <laughs> I can tell this. So we're sitting on the bench, and... Uh, and Jimmy's, Jimmy's just, he and I were very, very close. You become, you know, you do what I did the pregame show with the yep. man. Once they trust you, right. they'll tell you anything because they know you're not going to say it on the air. And, and I, you know, I evidently had a type of personality. They knew I was a baseball guy and I could talk it on their level with them. So, so we're sitting there and <laughs> dude, dude's coming in from the outfield for BP. You know how guys come in and Jimmy says, watch this. I don't know what's going to happen. And dude comes over and he says, say, Skip, says, listen, we were in Atlanta. He said, listen, I, I got some friends here. I got some things I got to do, my family and everything. I like to stay another night here in, in, uh, in Atlanta. And Jimmy says, no, no, you're not staying here in Atlanta. You're going with us. And dude goes, come on, Skip, come on, come on. You know me. I, I. And Jimmy says, yeah, I do. No, you're not going. And dude got ticked off and he's all right all right blah, blah, whatever you say you're the manager and jimmy looks at me and he had those little glasses on he says he thinks he can put something over on me everything that he's done i've done 10 times <laughs> <laughs> and that was right, 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 and right, i right, thought right. what a great story right, that was right. because yeah. it happened just like that and dude walked away kind of with his head down and his tail but he's not going to hear this story is <laughs> so that and, and jimmy would Jimmy was also very proud that he was a manager, and he would he could be a little tough on people interviewing him. You know, you guys, yep, you know what he was like. But he was a sweetheart. You know, he had a big heart. He really did. 
So one day this young kid comes walking up and his hands shaking almost, you know, and he's got a tape recorder, you know, the old days. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> and he says, um, coach, uh, could I do a, a little interview with you? And Jimmy looks up at him as only Jimmy could look at you and he'd go, son, I'm not a coach. I'm the bleeping manager. <laughs> now what can I do for you? Right. <laughs> and I'll never forget that kid just kind of, he just kind of melted <laughs> like that and just, but that's what Jimmy would yeah, do. And then he so. took care of him. And he yeah, took care. He absolutely. could be the, you know what he was like. Yeah, he yeah, could yeah. be the gruffest, you know, often wrong and never in doubt. Fook used to say, you know, you're lying. You know, Jimmy was lying because his lips would start going quivering. I'm, I can't show because we're on radio. <laughs> but, and, and Vuk would go, Jimmy, you're lying. Jimmy would say, I am not lying, Book. What are you? He says, yes, you are. I see by your lips are quivering. <laughs> and it used to tick for Grossi off. Hey, uh, Wheels, you were also here on a big day in my, you know, turns out in my life in uh, April of 1978 when uh, my friend the Fanatic made his big debut. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, I know the father of the Fanatic, uh, Mr. Giles, who we saw on Friday, Bill Giles. Uh, it was great to see him. Uh, he was a little nervous that day, right? Well, look, you have to understand back in those days, Tommy, that we were owned by the Carpenter family. Now, mm. Ruley Carpenter, who we just lost, you know, a couple mm. of years, was, you guys knew Ruley. Yep. He was a wonderful man. But that family was not what the Phillies became. Um, I, you know, they, they, well, Bob Carpenter was an old baseball guy, hated the union, hated a free agency, um, didn't want to spend money. He just didn't. So Ruley was better than that, but he still was frugal. And if he was going to spend money, he was going to play, spend on players. Well, Bill, Denny Lehman and I had been out in uh, San Diego um, yeah. and seen the chicken. And Dennis Lehman, who went to the, you know, I say like people know him, Dennis Lehman went to the Cleveland Indians for a long time as a great exec there. But anyway, De Dennis was working for us, and he went to Bill. Bill great idea you ought to see this chicken out in san diego he's hysterical these fans go crazy the players love it well you know bill right away the wheels start spinning we got to do this we got to have a so he went to mccann erickson yeah um yeah, at the time uh, yeah harrison, it was? Erickson, harrison erickson uh, or with uh, jim henson and right. sesame street so yeah. he went to sesame street those people and yeah. bonnie erickson yeah. and said and, and they decided uh, could you come up with a, a costume for us well all of a sudden and it only cost, only, but it was seven grand, I think it was. Yeah. Well, back then, seven grand was seven grand. Yeah. Um, so Bill, all of a sudden, has this pile of feathers sitting <laughs> in his office. Yeah, it just got delivered. It yes. just got delivered. He's, and I'm gone down there. I'm down there with somebody else. I forget who. Anyway, he says, what am I going to do? I said, I don't know what you're going to do. I said, well, he says, well, who, how am I going to tell Ruley that I've got this pile of feathers sitting here and I owe him seven grand? I said, Bill, <laughs> he came up with this great idea. Can we talk about the yeah. the, the uh, Fanatics best friend? yeah. David Raymond, who, yeah. whose dad, uh, Tubby, was a great football coach. And David's mom um, uh, was uh, hearing impaired. Yeah. Mute. Basically, um, I don't know if mute's the right word. Anyway, hearing impaired. So he was very good at improv, and he was a heck of an athlete. He was a punter, a punter on the team, place yeah. kicker at Delaware. 
I don't know who recommended him. And he was funny, too. Which, uh, which, which, yeah, if yeah, you think about the fanatic, and, it no, was No offense to the is. other fanatic's best friend, but he's a little off the wall. You know, I mean, let's face it. A little yeah. bit like a left-handed pitcher. They're all nuts. Yep. Yes. You know, they can't help it. They just, if you're a left-handed. He is left-handed, too. If you're, so yeah, if you're a left-handed a pitcher, you're goofy. Wheels. So, <laughs> I know. Tom's a little nuts, too. I, I'm right-handed, though, so I'm not that goofy. don't want to go there, but anyway, someone recommended that maybe they – that night, yeah, you're right. That night, they put David Raymond yeah. as a fanatic's best friend. He went on the field. This thing comes out, boom, boom. Yeah. He was, he was so good that first night. I mean, we're all sitting there going, "Whoa, this is really good." And well, then he leaving in, in, in our city in a city yeah. which is not right. easy right. to win right. over. That's true. Right? Point. I mean, not easy. Like when you're bringing anything new. Right. True. They, they don't like that. Right. And I, I can't explain it, but it, it just worked. It really took and off. And Denny Lehman and I, of course, were slapping ourselves on the back for bringing the chicken up. Right. And at one point, we were thinking, Giles is going to blame us. Yeah, yeah. And blame, <laughs> tell Ruley that Wheels and Denny Lehman are, are the ones that are responsible for the seven grand tab that I have down there. Well... It, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. One of the greatest well, moves ever made by this Bill wasn't the only one who was ner- nervous because Dave was too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he's like, they're going to. Oh, absolutely. I they're going to eat me up for lunch. But I think David's <laughs> ability to improvise. Yeah, to sure. It, yeah. Improv. Is that he was the yeah. perfect, perfect best friend. he had done <laughs> so many things yeah. without words yep. in his family. And the combination of that and him being a heck of an athlete, it worked. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, another name we've, we've mentioned, which I know you're very close with, he was uh, current Phillies employee, Larry Boa. I know you've got a very <laughs> special relationship with him. We're really bringing it. This is like the <laughs> greatest <laughs> hits. No, this of course. Like you, hits. You, look at the reaction right uh. there when you say the name Larry Boa. Because, again, when I first started with the Phillies, it was 94, and every person you mentioned, Frank, uh, you know, uh, Vukovic, uh, Fregosi, everybody. It's everybody that I was scared to death right. of when I walked out of the tough. clubhouse. Well, and I'll just say this for you, Sage on Wheels. It's like, for me, Boa was my Richie Ashburn. You know, like, to, to, you know, and again, I think because I related, he was on the shorter yeah. side yeah. and, you know, fast. he was uh, fast and uh, just gritty. Gritty, loved yeah. it. You know, total Philadelphia all-timer in my book. So it's just, you know, Brage and I pinch ourselves sometimes. Man, we get a chance to interview, get to know these guys. And, uh, you know, uh, so he, he was my guy. So it's really interesting that you, of course, you we, know, formed a great well, relationship with him. First too. of all, we're, we're the same age. Yeah. I mean, I look a lot better, but we're the same <laughs> age. In fact, I just called him the other day. His birthday was December 6th. Mine's in August, so I'm technically older, at which he points out all the time. <laughs> Not according to your book, though. Well, well, that's <laughs> oh boy! You brought book. that up, John. Sorry. Ah. Just, to, just to clarify. Want me to go to the, that or bro? Listen, no, we'll, we'll, I'll just say, it and then we can move on from there. Wheels wrote a book, and he his autobiography. Uh, his autobiography, and in the book, it's the, he has the wrong birth date, his own birth date. 
which I guess you edited, but you didn't. I saw it uh, for the for the uh, for the next editions, which I was lucky enough to have several editions of the book nice. as right. paperback. Right. Called a view. I should say what it is. Yes, it's still out there. Still People out there. still buy yeah, it, it and have me sign. It's called View from the Booth: uh, Four Decades with the Phillies, which it was at that time. And I'm very impressed you know the name of your book because Gary Matthews. Besides, <laughs> uh, didn't know. Gary it. Matthews during a radio interview. His own book. Spring training asked me. Because uh, the lady asked him, what, what's the name of your book, Sarge? And he turns to me and goes, Bridge, what's the name of my book? I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't write your book. Well, one of the main reasons neither did, may, neither did he. Well, one of the main reasons may be that I wrote my book. Yes. Right, right, I yes. typed, I wrote the right. stories. And, All right. So anyway. Well, it's sold, it sold out, Wheels, because you put the, fanatics, uh, the Fanatic on the cover with you in the booth. That's exactly right. You are the Fanatic's <laughs> best friend. Tom mentioned that, that he was nice enough to t- ask the Fanatic yeah. to come in there that day. And That's right. You remember that picture that day? Yeah, and, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Classic. All right, so I rudely inter- interrupted. You were talking <laughs> about, about Larry Boa, same birthday. Or not same birthday. We hit it off. Um, same age. In 1971, when I came over, when I when I started, it was a very different era from even from you guys. Now, you guys talk about being afraid of people, which is interesting, because nobody's afraid of anybody anymore. Right. Everybody walks in like they own the place. Um, but I walked into that clubhouse that first day, you know, and I'm meeting Frank Lucchese, who was a manager. I got, I literally have my head. I don't want to look anybody in the eye. I just want to somehow get in here and make this work and not screw up and get fired right away, right out of the chute. In time, in those first couple years, he and I became friends. I don't know what it was. He, he always tells me it was a lot like what Vuk said because he could tell I loved the game and that I asked questions but I didn't bug them, you know. And I was we were the same age back then. That's why the 80 team is my favorite team because right. we were all around the same age, went through all the problems to get there, and then won. Um, so we just became very close. And over the years, look, when he was a coach with the Dodgers, you know, I, I, I laugh about this with some of the, you know, the critics you have when you do what you do. And you know, hey, what does he know about that? Bo used to call me and ask me the arms of outfielders that he hadn't seen yet because he's coaching okay. third. He wanted me to tell him how they threw, whether he should run on the guy, whether he wouldn't or stuff. So we've had that kind of relationship for years, no matter where he went. Uh, when he was with Joe all those years, with Tori all those years, you know, we would still catch up. And, and you know, then he came back here and – you know, we knew it was going to be volatile when he became the manager. It just – Vuk yeah. and I used to say, we had just – least get into the new ballpark, you know, just right. back off enough. And, you know, he had his success here, but Bo, Bo as a manager doesn't wear real well with players. Um, he just, he just has this old school mentality that as he was starting to get older and the players were becoming what they are, it was a, a butt ahead situation. So yeah. I think, still think he was a terrific manager, and, but he wasn't a great people person. He's a better people person now, I think, because he doesn't have the pressure on him. Like, yeah. you guys see him when yeah. he's out with sure. people. And he can still be very – he can be a little standoffish if he's not comfortable around somebody. But he's changed a lot and for the better. But we're still – I just talked to him, like I said, the other day. And we're still really cool. We went to see Frankie Valley in the four seasons the last couple of years oh, yeah. and down yeah. in Clearwater. Yep, yep. And we've been on so many things together over the years. And, and he's and, known uh, as one of the – in baseball, he's known as one of the greatest – Baseball minds, Absolutely. Right? I mean, the guy, like, literally, if people are going to ask, who's the guy in your brain you want to pick, right? All around baseball. Unbelievable. Larry's, Larry's he, one of them. He was, he's totally respected that way. Just see G, Jim Leland get in the Hall of Fame the other day. Jim Leland and Vuk, and Jim Leland wanted to be around Vuk and Boa. Yeah. And Vuk and Boa wanted to be around Jim Leland. Yeah. And that's that's the way it was with it. I mean, Lou Pinella. 
Joe Torre used to tell me, he said, you know, he's a pain in the butt sometimes, you know, yeah. and I got to take him once in a while and tell him, easy, Larry. He says, but he's the best third base coach I've ever seen. Mm. And what did Joe do? He goes from the Yankees to the Dodgers, and he takes Larry Bowe along yep. as his third base coach. Joe Torre, one of the greatest baseball men ever, has that kind of respect for Bo. And I think Vuk, <laughs> Vuk used to. Vuk used to just have such a great – they grew up together. In yeah, San, Sacramento. They, they knew yeah. each other. They didn't know each other, know each other. But, you know, Vuk used to hate him because of his temper. And Vuk used to say to him, will you just, will you just shut up and just – just and, and, and Vuk would say, listen, you're my boss. And Bo, Bo would go, I'm not your boss. You're my boss. You're the boss. <laughs> so they had that kind of relationship. Do you remember <laughs> the story uh, when Vuk – not Bo, when Vuk was coaching third base – and one of the owner's uh, wives <laughs> was talking with Ed Wade. Tell that. That's one of my favorite stories. That was um, Betts. Yeah, it was that, Claire that Betts. Was, that was Claire Betts. Claire Betts. One of our owner's wives. Or owners. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that was in Lakeland. Yep. Uh, and they were talking about, well, Vuk snapped. That's, did he? Yes. Sh- yeah. I'll, I'll lead you yeah, the story. Leave, he, Vuk, Vuk waved somebody was, in. Into uh, again being third base coach and the person's out by a mile, right. and some fan let Vuk have it, <laughs> let him have it, right? And, and so Claire Betts, is, uh, our owner, was sitting right next to Ed Wade, and and Claire Betts said, "Can can John listen to that? Because that man's being really mean. Does he hear can, that? Can, yeah. Does he hear that? Or is he?" And Ed said, "He doesn't hear that. He's so focused on the game. He tunes everything out. Right. He's watching this. He doesn't even. That guy's not even registering in his brain." <laughs> and then Vuk snapped. It's, no, no, no. No, it started yelling at the guy. Well, no, I think what, ha- what happened is another guy came around. From what I understand, another guy came running around third. He also gets thrown out. And this guy starts giving oh, Vuk yeah. all kinds of – and that's when – Oh, that's what he snapped yeah, on Yeah, and then Vuk turned around. Remember? Well, I'll tell you, I remember you guys t- – I wasn't there I there that day. So, But I was – with this other one. This was one of the, the great ones with fans. And our fans are – you know, our fans – they like to be heard. So Vuk's <laughs> coaching third. And we got a guy on first. There's nobody out. Somebody doubles into the gap unless – I think we're down by two runs or three. Anyway, you got to stop the guy at third. There's nobody out. You know, you just – you can't get a guy run – a, run him into an out in right. a regular season. Maybe in spring training you're trying to see if the guy can run, and that's different. So Vuk stops him. And the crowd, of course, boo, you know, they boo. Cause, you know, that's – that's what fans do. They boo. Hey, that throw was eight hops coming in. He could have right. sco- I could have scored. Yeah, whatever. So the next play, evidently, there was either a sack fly or a ground out. The guy scores. Who was ever on third? <laughs> Vuk goes into our because the players told me this too. Vuk goes into our dugout and he's, he's just getting near the dugout. You can hear over the top of the dugout. Hey, yo, Vukovic! Oh boy, you owe us one. <laughs> and Vuk goes, Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He scored. How many times do you want him to score? <laughs> and the guys and Vuk says the guy's buddy next to him went, Yeah. And he's elbowed him. Yeah, he scored. Vuk said, Now sit down and shut up. <laughs> and he, and, the, and that yeah. other story, he yelled yeah. at that guy. He yelled at that, that guy. guy with Claire Betts. Right. The guy had a hoagie in one hand yeah, and a, right. or a cheese well, in one hand and, a, and he's like, Hey, you blank, 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 blank. Yeah. Well, yeah, he made, yeah, yeah. He, this guy also was slightly portly right. that was behind our dugout and he did. Yeah. Do some things that you probably, you know, nowadays you couldn't have gotten away with with, yeah. with that. But he did. And the 
Luke said one of the it almost made him laugh, but he because his buddy he elbowed yeah. him went, Yeah, that's right. He did score. <laughs> well, how about when Vuk almost killed the we're not gonna go into stories uh, we told we've him told before, that story too but Vuk almost tried to kill the Oriole bird. The Oriole bird when he, when yeah, he had yeah. the broom with the broom, broom on the dugout. Uh, just oh. classic. All right, one of the things that's that, a true story though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he went in there and the Threatened. bird luckily had yeah, had taken, taken stuff everything off, off and everything. Yeah, and he said, you just missed He them. said you left. Yeah, yeah he left. Exactly. <laughs> now, one of the key things, you were on TV when we uh, won in 2008, right? Yeah. Oh, on that yeah. clinching play. Talk about that moment for you. Well, like, we were on radio. Because on radio, could, right. You're, you're radio, yeah, we were right. on radio. Sorry, radio. Well, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to do some innings on radio. You know, they divided them up in those days. And so I, I'm on with Harry in the ninth inning. Um, and people talk to me about this all the time. And I said, look. I'm, I'm telling you where my head was. They have a, there's a runner on second base, and there's one out. And we all remember it was so tense that yep. game. Yeah. You know, we're coming back from the rain delay for the yep. two days. Delay, and I'm saying to myself, you know what? If Brad Lidge gets this done, whatever you do, don't make a sound. I said because in 1980, when we weren't allowed to be on the air, Harry had to recreate the whole thing. I said he's never had the last out, and I'm thinking this. Right. Yeah. Good thought, and, Wheels. Great thought. You know, after it's over, I don't, you know, and he does a great call. And I don't even remember. I, you know. You did the wheels. Later <laughs> on, we're out at the party. Yeah, yeah. This is how it happened. Yeah. I mean, I remember high-fiving Jim Jackson and Tom McCarthy. I, we're out at the party, and the, the monitors are all, you know. Yeah, yeah. Remember the TVs? Of course. And I see me standing up. You know, with the arm. Yeah. And I've gone, oh. Yeah, but you're uh -huh. just naturally reacting. Well, you know what my God. thought was back in those days? And, you know, it, it's funny. Now, I think I'm going to have to worry about some jackass like Angelo Cataldi getting on me for doing that. Right. And, I mean, because it's in the back of your mind when you do what we do for a living. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when a couple of them are busting right. on you. The next day, we're in the parade. And I got guys, young people, young people doing this up. With yeah, the arms, yeah, yeah, tremendous. And I'll never forget That's thinking. Awesome. I guess it was all right. Yeah, Absolutely, no, you're acting right, naturally. Wheels. Think That's about right. everyone out in the stands or watching on TV. They're doing something, right? Right. You're you're, you're beyond elated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you live it. I mean, you guys do it too. I do. You know, we travel. You live it. Sure. And and I just remember thinking, whatever you do, just don't get in the way of this man's uh, call because yeah. too too many. And I I did a little bit of it over the years, not much, but too much. There's too much yelling in the background in my opinion, of, of people getting stepping on the play-by-play -play yep. guy. Don't do that. So that was that was the way we were taught. And uh, anyway, it uh, it turned out to be great because uh, we lost him the next year. Yep. 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 Um, before we get to the quiz, there is a yeah, quiz, the Wheels. Quiz. <laughs> uh, I just got to say, you're still, you know, you can hear uh, Wheels because down in spring training, yeah. you are the PA announcer. And you've been the PA announcer for how many years? Uh, in my first spring training was 1972, and there was a guy, real quick, a guy named Harry Merrill, who was a friend of the Carpenter family who had done the PA for all those years. And my first spring training game, can't make it up, another one. Yeah. Larry Shank comes to me and he says, hey, you ever done the PA before? And, of course, I tell kids all the time when I go out, I said, look, if anybody says, can you do something? Just say, yes. say yeah. Uh, yeah. Let them tell you you can't later. I said, sure, I've done it. He said, well. Uh, Harry got a little over Harry Merrill got a little overserved last night, and <laughs> he can't make it. Well, I Wally pipped him. Yeah, you Wally pipped him. So I still do the PA <laughs> down there. And that's yeah, that's fun. so much fun, right? <laughs> to this day, it's so much fun. You know what it is, Braze? You know, you you get you guys come to spring training. You know, yeah, the yeah. fanatics been able to come a lot of years now. Yep. It's the most 
I sound like Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> yeah. But it is for baseball people. Yeah, and, and for us in baseball, it is because there's no pressure. You just enjoy yourself. And I'm still lucky enough to sit in there and, and have people come up to me and say, Boy, that really made the help make the experience coming down here, you know, of coming to Phil, coming to Clearwater and hearing your voice. It makes us think about, yeah. you know, the old days and all yeah. that. So it's it's an honor to still do it. And as long as Bucky, Dave Buck wants me to do it, and, and the and John Timberlake and the people down there want me to do it, I'll do it. Well, Wheels, it'll be here before you know it because you know that's the one thing. It's been great. I guess you've been following. Certainly, you're still following the Phillies when you know, of course. And um, you know, we we're on a roll now, and we're in the postseason, and the off season is a lot shorter. It's like we're going to be there, and you know, uh, just uh, two months. Uh, two that's months. One of the greatest things about the off season, you know, it goes. It, it, you know, when you work it, it, it's like, wow, man, I had no time off. But yeah, but look what it. Look what happened to yeah. take that time away. And, and, yeah, the Phillies are – look, I've been lucky enough to be in those eras of great roles. Yeah. All of them. Yep. yep. Really, every one of them. Uh, somebody, went, somebody called me Wally – what's that uh, What's that guy? Uh, oh, that's uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump yeah, as a yeah, Philly. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. you've been around for everything. Yeah. I said, well, I was only five for the Whiz Kids. Well, since we're talking about it, uh, we are in one of those – Yes. There is now, don't you think, Wheels? Wonderful, and 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 the fans are so into it right now. It is louder now. It is. Yeah, it's louder than it was I at agree. the vet. It's louder. You guys know. I agree. Uh, and I think they realize that they're a big part of this. I think none of us can believe that the Phillies lost two straight postseason games yeah. here. The way the crowd, but the Diamondbacks just figured some things out and they played. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, one lap, again, before we go to the quiz, one of the cool things about all of our jobs, uh, yours in particular, is you get to meet people you would never meet in any other walk of life, right? So for you, I know you're good friends with Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest, right? And the Oak Ridge Boys and other, like it just goes, you've you've been able to make friendships outside of baseball, which is pretty cool. You know, you guys will identify with this. Somebody asked me one time, somebody, somebody was in the game, said to me, think about it. How many people in your life would be in your life right now if you hadn't been in baseball. Mm. Right. And it's amazing. Yep. How few people that actually are in your life mm-hmm. that we didn't meet in this wonderful business. And yep. you know, me being fifty some years, you guys have you know, you guys were at the twenty five plus thing the other day, so you, you've been <laughs> around racking a lot. on the years. You've been, you've been you 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 totaling <laughs> them up too. That's a great point, so, Wills. Yeah. And, and I can't remember who said that and I i tell I tell people that once in a while that it's true. This is the most wonderful experience. You know, I'm yep. sitting here with you two guys. I love you two guys. You know, we've been friends forever, it seems like. Yep. And, I, and I can say that about so many people in my life that, you know, you're just great friend. You can't wait to see them. Yep. You light and, up and you tell the, you and know, you're tell telling the same stories. stories. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> still doesn't laugh. matter. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I try not to, <laughs> and, and I try to make sure mine are true. Right. Well, <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, all right, Wheels, we have a quiz know. for you. We give every one of our uh, guests uh, eight questions. Oh, it's boy. about your life, so you're fine. You got inside 
uh, track. Uh, <laughs> it's multiple choice. Uh, Tom, we, we make them get six out of eight, correct? Correct. And we have a T-shirt for you, Wheels. You too. Uh, we, have a, we have a backstage of Burgoyne and Brazier T-shirt if you win. Okay. So here we go. You ready for the first question? Yeah, go ahead. Thanks for the visit. Let's get down to business. Now here's your chance to show how much you really know. He might get grumpy if he can't stop you with Brazier's Quiz. All right, you went to Marple Newtown High School, as we all know. Uh, which one of these celebs did not go to Marple Newtown High School? Now, I took a little liberty with celebs. Uh, <laughs> which one of these celebs did not go to Marble Newtown? Okay. Uh, David Miscavich, who's the leader of the Church of Scientology. Nicole Brewer, who's a news reporter, former Miss Pennsylvania. Captain Noah, better known as Carter Meyer. Meyer Murbriar, yeah. or Bill Moss, who's a former Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Chiefs and Packers. So who was not a Marple Newtown graduate? Was it David Miscavige, Nicole Brewer, Captain Noah, or Bill Moss? The only one that I know was a, was is Bill Moss. So right. I, I don't know. Well, you take, uh, take a guess. Well, you know, Tom David does, Miscavige, because he's, uh, he's from Lower Moreland. No, David Miscavige was a huh. graduate of Marple Newtown High School. What? It's Captain Noah. Captain Noah. Captain Noah, Captain Noah, I think, was from Pleasantville, New Jersey. I was right? say, he's from around here. I yeah. thought Miscavige was, went to Lower no, Moreland. No, okay. right. Well, you're starting. That's uh, all right. All right. You went to Penn State. As, uh, which one of these celebrities did not go to Penn State? <laughs> okay. Again, taking a little loose with my celebrities. So. Really? I mean, you would think a lot of oh, there's celebrities. There's millions, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. but yeah, you'll know by the first one. All right. Uh, Richard T. James, inventor of Slinky. Oh, right. How about that. Uh, singer Barry Manilow. Oh, Mandy. All right. And you came and you. Uh, Adam <laughs> McKay, writer and director of Anchorman and Talladega Nights, and Tom Verducci, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. See, so, I know Verducci went there because we talk about that all the time when we see each other. So, Richard James, Mr. Slinky, Barry Manilow, Adam McKay, or Barry Tom Manilow. Yeah. Barry Manilow did not did go to not Penn State. Yeah, good, there job, you go. good job, Wheels. Good job, All right, now we're getting more baseball. So, you're, you're more in your wheelhouse here. Yeah. No pun intended. No, that's. All right. You joined the Phillies in the PR department in 1971. Who led the team that year in home runs with 34? Was it Darren Johnson, Willie Montanez, Tim McCarver, or Don Money? Darren Johnson, Willie Montanez, Tim McCarver, or Don Money? I'm going to say it was DJ. Darren DJ Johnson. is correct. That, that would be my 34 guess, 34 home runs. Nice. Uh, by the way, you do get one. Uh, Tom, Tom doesn't know this quiz. You can use him as a lifeline if you get stuck. I'm not very now, good with he is, he is. I say use because he is useless. But if you want, you can use him. Just All right. Let you know. <laughs> Thanks, All right. JB. You started broadcasting in 1977, as we mentioned earlier. Who led the team in hits that year with 175? Was it Ted Sizemore, Greg Lazinski, Gary Maddox, or Larry Boa? I'm going to say Maddox. What, uh, Wait, what was that? 75? 77. 77. 77. Ted Sizemore, Greg Lazinski, Gary Maddox, Larry Boa. I go, I go Boa. You want to use him as a lifeline? Yeah. You are correct. That's the first time you use hey, a lifeline and it works. Nice that going. never works. Larry Boy. Boa. I could just hear him get, get on me. <laughs> How'd you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> Three for four. All right, now you're, you're good. You're, you're in the running here. All right. Uh, you're a big Penn State football fan, right? Mm-hmm. Who is the all-time rushing leader in terms of yardage uh, with 3,932? Was it, is it, or was it, sorry, Saquon Barkley, Evan Royster, Kurt Warner, or Blair Thomas? Saquon Barkley, Evan Royster, Kurt Warner, or Blair Thomas? And put it this way, I would have gotten this wrong. 
And I follow Penn State. Who was the other guy? Uh, Kajai? Or? Uh, uh, oh, Kajana Carter. Yeah, Carter. Carter. Boy, yeah. he, I thought he was. There's, there's tons of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they've had so many great there's running millions backs. millions of running backs. Top yardage guy. So, Barkley, Royster, Warner, or Thomas? Again, it surprised me. I, I, I'm going to say it was uh, uh, Royster. Royster is correct. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that. No, no. I wouldn't have gotten I wouldn't that. Have gotten he that. had four years. You know, they don't yeah, have a lot four of years anymore. Right, exactly. And Kurt Warner. Oh. See, Joe didn't play him as freshman. Because you didn't play freshman. You right. just didn't. Now, yeah. of course, you have to because they're going to leave after three years right. anyway. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. so Royster Royster played all four years, and he was a workhorse. Yep. Well, you yeah, got it. All right. You're on a wheels. roll, Wheels. Four yeah, for five. Four for five. All right. Uh, we never even talked about this guy, but you were very close to Phillies broadcaster Larry Anderson in L.A. <laughs> That's what a whole is, other podcast. What is Larry's really? middle name? Do you know it off the top of your head, or do you need multiple choice? I'll give you multiple hey, choice. Give it to me. All right. It's either Norbert, Nathaniel, Francis, or Eugene. Norbert, Nathaniel, Francis, or Eugene. Eugene? Eugene is correct. Yeah. Norbert is Harry's. Harry yeah. is Norbert. Nathaniel is Gary Matthews. That's true. And Francis is the Pope's. Is that right? Yeah. How Paul Francis Owens? Paul Francis Owens. I'm yeah. kidding. There you have yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew that one. Yeah. All right. You're a big fan of golf. We know oh, you yeah. live on a golf course. Uh, you belong two to Blue golf Bell. courses. Right, Blue Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. True. You live on two At golf Bel Air. courses. Uh, uh, which PGA golfer is the youngest to shoot his age on the PGA Tour? Not the Senior Tour, the PGA Tour. He, in fact, he did this in the Quad Cities Open. I'll even give you the year just to kind of give me the year. 1979. Mm. 1979. He shot a 67. See if that helps you at all. Uh, was it Sam Snead? Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, or Chichi Rodriguez? Shoot his age. Shot his age, 67, second round of the, of the Quad Cities Open in 1979. Sam Snead, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, or Chichi Rodriguez? Boy, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, Pick the oldest person. I want to say Snead. Sam Snead is correct. Yeah. Oh, he, nice. he correct. did some amazing Wheels. things. Pulled that one out. He did some amazing <laughs> things at at, a, at an older, at advanced age. Yeah, how about that? And never and never won a U.S. Open. Is that right? And got a nine when he played in the U.S. Open at Philadelphia Country Club in the '30s, and didn't realize that he just needed par oh. to win the U.S. Open. And, and then we had Jim Cott on our podcast uh, oh. back in August. And he shot his age four times. If I remember correctly, three left-handed, one right-handed. It sounds like. How about that? <laughs> no, you want crazy? to talk one about one of the great athletes you ever want to yeah. be around. Jim Cott. Kitty. Yep. Kitty All right. Is. Then the last question. You've already qualified, so you get the T-shirt. Oh, wow. Uh, last question. <laughs> so you worked really from 1971 to two through 2013. Right. Right? How many players did you see play in a Phillies uniform <laughs> that eventually made the Hall of Fame? Oh. Okay? Oh. So from 71 – through 2013, that at one point wore a Phillies uniform, uh, how many eventually made the Hall of Fame? Was it 5, 8, 9, or 11? Oh, man. See, that would take a long time. 5, yeah, 8, to try 9, to or 11, out. I know. Well, you've it's already qualified. That high, that, you've already qualified. Those numbers are too high. So I'm going to say uh, 8. Uh, Tom, would you like to get, take a guess? I'll go lower than 8. What's the number Five. lower than 8? Five. Five. No, it's 11. It's 11. 11. Yeah, let me give them to you. Ready? Go ahead. Pedro. Right. right. Oh, yeah. Halliday, Lefty, Jim Bunning, who uh, was on the team when Wheels first started in 71. Yeah. Uh, Jim Tomey, Mike Schmidt. Uh, we have Ryan Sandberg, yeah. Scott Rowland now. Right. And then you had uh, the Wheeze kids, Tony Perez, 
Joe Morgan. Oh, wow. And Jim Cott. How about that? Wow. And Pete. Wow. <laughs> Which is no, who's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. Right. 11. 11, yeah. You know, I, I told, you know, that's great you brought that up, Rach, because I've, I've said to somebody sometime, you know, I've been so lucky to be around so many great players, mm. you know. And yet, you asked me that question, I thought it was only around eight, but it was 11. 11, yep. Mm. Now, some obviously only spent yeah, a year or so, but. Well, but Pedro uh, was Pedro. I mean, right. we, we yeah, got yeah. the. I remember saying to Pedro one time, he was great, by the way. You, you guys, he oh, was a he good was guy. Nice great guy. guy. Yeah. You know, but when he, I, and I said to him one day, he and I had got to have a great relationship because he was nice to you. Right. I said, well, I didn't like you. He says, of course you didn't like me because I used to hit your players. <laughs> <laughs> he said, <laughs> and I went. Yeah. It's like Bruce. We had a guy named Bruce Keeson, pitcher of the Pirates, yeah. all those years, and I got to know him really well as a scout. He said, "I know you didn't like me. Right. How would you like me? I always had Mike Schmidt diving in the dirt and Dave Cash and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But then you get to know them, and I that remember, was a, he was a sweetheart. Well, I remember guy Pedro. Too. Pedro came over from Ooh. the Mets, and he had he had sneakers or his 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 shoes were orange and blue. Yeah, and he also had a shower a Mets shower kit. <laughs> and I remember we were in Chicago. I'll never forget this. We were in Chicago, Chicago. and I'm in the clubhouse. Before the game, and Pedro was down at the other end talking to somebody, and somebody, I think it was Worth or somebody, noticed the shower kit and pulls it out and goes, Pedro, what the heck is this? And Pedro like <laughs> had a big smile on his face. He goes, it was that guy's fault. Points this like 16-year-old clubhouse kid. And the <laughs> clubhouse kid fault. is like, you know, like shaking, you know, oh, my God, what I do wrong? How and about, then, how about did he have, does he have the longest fingers you ever saw in your life? Yep. Unbelievable how big his hands were. Mm. You know, not a big guy. Yeah. What he, maybe, what is he, 5'11"? Yep, probably something like that. I don't think he's six foot. One of the classics. And the I mean, hands yeah. were just, well, that's why he, the way he could spin his change up and, 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 and disguise it. And then this way he could spin his fastball. And he was mean. He, oh, yeah. He was mean, but he was a, a, a good-hearted guy. Mean on the field. Yeah, on the field. Super nice off. I remember I did an appearance Great with guy. him in San Juan. John, it wasn't the year you were down there. And I'm, I'm at a table with a bunch of mascots. And there was a dais with all the VIPs and all the uh, players were up there. He comes walking in. And instead of sitting at the dais, he sits down and, and with all the mascots. <laughs> sure, I could just like, see hey. it. And we hung out with Pedro all night. That's it was awesome. cool. He and does, that was before he was, you know, He does a great Phillies, job but. on the, the postseason. Yeah, yeah. He does. Love he hearing does him. A, yeah, with, he breaks it down. He's with yeah. Jimmy. He's with Jim, Jimmy Rollins. Aren't they together? Yep. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. Do it. They're great together. Well, you know what? Yep. And, you can, and I just said this to somebody else. I said, you can tell, uh, even if they're a role player or a superstar, you can tell who could be a future broadcaster if they wanted it mm. uh, based on their personality. Kevin Franson mm. was one of my go-to guys. Kevin Franson was, you know, was a yeah, utility yeah. guy for us. And, uh, and I knew if that guy wanted to have a future in broadcasting because he had that great personality. Yeah, and yeah. You just again, someone like Scott Ayer didn't get into broadcasting, but if he wanted to, yeah, yeah, he would be, be great in broadcasting. Kevin Rex, Soccer does a great job right. for us on radio. Great job. And Rex Hudler, you knew he guys. would be good. So you can <laughs> kind of go through it. Huddler on last month, Wheels. Oh, oh my goodness. We're going to have a three-hour podcast. Okay? I know. We should wrap it up, Chad. <laughs> there, no, there's because energy. we could, we could have Wheels back every week and just I tell know. more and more stories. Well, well, instead of co-hosting, we'll have three hosts. You've been, you've been alive as long as me. you got a few <laughs> stories. Right? Well, it's great, Wheels. Great seeing Thanks, you. So. I know we have to get together at Harry's uh, yeah. at some point, uh, hopefully uh, before spring training starts, and we uh, see you down in Florida. Or Phil or Phil's, or that's Phil's, true. Yeah. Uh, but great seeing you, Wills. Thank you, Tom. And thanks for doing thanks, this. Thanks, Wills. Really thanks. appreciate it. Thank All you, right, Brace. I guess we're going to sign off, John. Um, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time on Phillies Backstage. Backstage with the Gordon.